be seated. Everybody okay? Well, you're actually better than you think. You're translocational. You're seated here and seated there. In heavenly places, isn't that what do you think? All right, good. No, no, no. Yeah. That freaks out the sound men, but they said, I'll, I'll make you. Can you make me sound like Morgan Freeman or anything like that? The guy filming, what about Brad Pitt? Something like that. Any chance of that? I thought y'all believed in miracles. You know. <laughs> Listen, what a day to be alive. Psalms 101. In the Psalms 118, verse 23 and 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. I put a tiny emphasis on it. You know why? All the money in the world compiled together couldn't buy back one single second of yesterday. It's gone. It'll never be relived. It's history. And if you studied the Bible, the Bible said, boast not yourself for tomorrow. You have no comprehension of what one day will bring. This is the day. We've got to learn how to live in the now, how to maximize the moment. The devil wins a victory every time we slough off and don't do what God's called us and commissioned us to do. There's something you can do that no other human being on earth can do. Ephesians 2.10 is a great verse. I studied it out of every English translation of the Bible I could find on earth. Ephesians 2.10, how you doing? God bless you. Is that feathers on your ear? Oh, that's so nice. Eagle feathers. You'll mount up with wings as of eagles. How you been? My wife said to tell you hello. Yeah, she was visiting. She's down in Texas. And yeah, 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 she's doing great though. Well, anyway, Ephesians 2.10. Here's what it says. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we conduct ourselves in them. So I studied that in every translation I could find. Here's what one translation says. You're the best God could do to display who he is. One translation said you are his stroke of genius to display his God deeds. Wow. So we better understand God created things for us to do before he created us. Now let me talk about the sovereignty of God just for a moment. You say, well, uh, I'm glad I've decided to come. Let's talk about why you're in that chair tonight. Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches all of our days, all of our days are written in his book before we've ever lived a single one of them. Somewhere in eternity past, God picked up a pen and wrote that May the 11th, you'd be sitting in a chair in Zion. All of our days are written in his book before we've ever lived a single one of them. Psalms 139, verse 15, 16. All of our days, in eternity past, he jotted in his journal, you'd be sitting in that chair. Here's a little bit of advice I think would be good for us to follow. Why don't we make sure that we make his journal become our journey? We need to make his journal become our journey. That's what Jesus did. I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. Well, you know, most of us come up with a plan, some harebrained plan, spend the rest of our life trying to get God to back it up. No, we better get in on his plan. His plan's good. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us about his plans. He said, I know my thoughts. I think towards you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. Thoughts of your success, not your failure. My intention is to bring you to a good end, not a dismal demise. Let's talk about God's thinking about us. 
See, the devil will tell you, well, you're insignificant. You're not famous. You're not, God doesn't think about you. That verse I quoted a while ago, Psalms 139, verse 18 says this. God's thoughts towards us are weighty and precious. The word weighty there is the same word for glorious. And the next verse says, these weighty, precious thoughts of God are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. What does that verse teach? It, teach Almighty, it teaches that Almighty God, creator of the ends of the earth, thinks good things constantly about you. You're always on his mind. Aren't you glad? Oh, my. That's pretty neat. And Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. So you've got God thinking good plans for you and Jesus praying good prayers for you. I figured you'll make it, don't you? I, I jotted down the church a note while I go in the pastor in one of the little green rooms back there. Being confident in this very thing, he that's begun a good work will continue it. I was reading the Bible. I found out Jesus is author and finisher, not author. And oops. You ever started something with oops? He's not that way. He finished it before he ever started it. There's nothing new under the sun. He finished it before he ever started it. Wow. Aren't you glad God's not up there wringing his hands? How's it going to come out? I read the back of the book. We win. Everything's going to be okay. Right in the midst of trauma and hard things, God throws a party for us. That's pretty wild, isn't it? That's Psalms 23. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Wow. So we're going to have a good time. You know, it's so sad. I've been preaching 49 years. I've averaged speaking five times a week for 49 years all over the earth. I've discovered some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. <laughs> just enough Jesus to be miserable. They got him in the head, but not the heart. They got a lot of rules, regulations, stipulations, manipulations, but they don't have a relationship, a living relationship. Y'all feel that ringing? Wonder if we do we need to do anything? It did. It'll do what? Oh. I think the Lord's been attempting to adjust me for years. Yeah, He's so gentle. Isn't He wonderful? God really is wonderful. Man, a crooked politician in the Bible said, I find no fault in him. Wow. Pontius Pilate. If a crooked politician could say, I find no fault in him, what about you? The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to start bragging on Jesus. We need to start espousing how good he is. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. Do you have favorite verses? My favorite verse in the whole Bible right now is Nahum 1.7. Nahum 1.7 says... God is good. <laughs> Nahum 1.7, God is good. That's a delightful verse. Aren't you glad it didn't say God was good or he's going to be good? Right in the middle of your mess, he's good. God is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those that are trusting him. Nahum 1.7, that will become your verse too. God is good. Not one thing bad about God at all. Every intention he has for us is to make us better, not bitter. To build us up, not to tear us down. He wants better for you than you could want for yourself. One time Jesus walked up to me, Rod, and he said, Bobby, I give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what I'm about to do. 
Being a preacher, said I, I said, I'll need a verse for that. He said to me, no problem. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or dare to imagine. Wow. He's able. In Genesis 18, 14 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Luke 42, uh, Job 42, 2 says, I know. I know you can do anything. And nothing you set your intentions to can be stopped. Job 42.2. He can do all things, can he? Say yes. yes. Well, why are you struggling so? Because you and I have not figured out how to cast all of our care upon him. Psalms 55.22 says, casting your care upon him. See, you're not built to carry the load. He is. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Wow, we need to learn how to cast our care upon the Lord. You say, well, Bobby, how do I do that? Well, you learn to become his friend and talk things over with him. Well, I, you know, I don't want him to know I'm not feeling good. God knows everything about us and still loves us. Your friends won't. They find some dirt, they'll distance themselves. But when God sees you struggling, he draws near. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, I've got some books out there. I hope you'll go buy every one of them because they're so heavy when you ship them and stuff. There's books out there that uh, I'll tell you a little bit about them. There's one, God, God came to me and said, Bobby, I want you to write a unique book. I said, hold it, just stop, hold it just a moment. What is your definition of a unique book? He said, I want you to write a unique book. I said, okay, tell me what your definition of a unique book is. He said, we're living in a fast-paced world. And he said, people are not going to read a 250-page book. But I want you to write a 250-page book. But I want you to write it where each chapter in the book is a full book, but it steps into the next chapter. So we've got one out there called Living in the Light. And the first chapter is, it's time for a fresh start. Aren't you glad that's the only reason we're not going to hell is every morning God gets up and pushes the reset button. Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Listen, guys. So we start to talk about a fresh start. Aren't you glad for his mercy? Aren't you glad Isaiah 118? Come on now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they can be what? White as snow. So I hope you'll visit the book table, look for living in the light. First words out of the mouth of God was what? Let there be light. And the whole, the, a lot of the, we deal with chapter after chapter in there and it's talking about light. Here's a great verse about light. Psalms 36 verse 9. With him is the pathway of life and in his light we see light. Psalms 36 verse 9. Here's another about light. You want it? It says, he will light my lamp and it'll flood my whole life with light. Lamp means spirit. That's Psalms 18 28. Psalms 18, 28. He will light my lamp. See, if you don't get light in here, uh, listen, I don't care what you get up here. If you don't get light in here, you're, you're going to stumble in the dark. You can be smart as a whip and dumb as a rock if you don't have God. I'm telling you, we, listen, what is a man profited to gain the whole world? Lose his own soul. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, let me talk to you just a moment about being successful. Don't you want to be successful? I don't think anyone in here determines when you look at your newborn baby, I want him to be 
just a big slob. <laughs> no, you want him to succeed and do well. Here's a, here's a little key. God has put in his word key after key after key after key on how you can be successful. Here's one. You ready? Joshua 1.8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 said, The words of this law, the Bible, shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night, and it will guarantee you overwhelming success. Well, if you want to be a flop, don't study the Bible. If you want to be victorious, you want to be successful and overwhelming, study the Bible. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Listen, the Bible said there's a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for hearing and heeding the Word of God. You'd be surprised how little of the Word of God we really know. And I'll tell you one thing, if you study the Bible, this is not just print on parchment. This is a person. John 1.14 says what? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Wow. You'll never know the living Word in the dimension God wants you to know Him if you don't get into the written Word. You say, well, Bobby, I don't have much time. You better cut something out then. Get up a little later, stay up a little, you know, do, do something. We've got to get the Word of God in us. It's the only thing that's going to guide us during these crooked days. Here, here it is. I told you the last time I was here, the greatest battle the church will fight will be Proverbs 23, 23. Proverbs 23, 23 says, pay the price for truth and don't sell it for anything. Pay the price for truth. The Bible. And don't sell it for anything. Wow. wonder why we need the truth so bad. John 17, 17. Jesus talking. He says, sanctify them, them being us. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctify means clean up, set apart for the service of God. We can't be cleaned up, set apart for the service of God without an active knowledge of the word of God. Sanctified, John 17, 17, sanctified them through the truth. That word is truth. Wow. Isaiah said truth has fallen in the street. It has, hasn't it? Well, we've got to get back to the Bible. You, listen. Your soul thirsts for this book. Your, your heart longs for this book. You need, you need to start feeding your soul upon this book. Anyway, so one of the books out there on the, in the book table is Living in the Light. Here's one. Master's Plan, Divine Design, and I wrote it out of that Ephesians 2.10 book, so you'll like it. And it talks about that God wants to work in you and do mighty things that somebody else couldn't do. Aren't you glad? I like the supernatural things. Here's a great verse about you doing something that you didn't think you could do. Psalms 90, verse 16, verse 17. Psalms 90, verse 16, verse 17 says, Oh, Lord, let your works appear. And establish thou the works of our hands. Yes, God, the works of our hands establish thou it. Then that verse says, and let your glorious majesty be seen by our children. Talk about your children. There's another book out there called Legacy and Lineage Line. Legacy is what you leave behind. Lineage Line is who you leave behind. And they're inseparable. How you live will affect your descendants from now on. And so we, we wrote it. This is the second edition of the Legacy and Lineage line. It talks about how to break off ancestral curses and how to amplify the blessings of God in your descendants' life. Here's your great verse about it. You ready? Yes, buddy. Here it is. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. 
Isaiah 44, 3 and 4 says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants, and they will spring up like willows by a riverbank. See, if you're hungry and thirsty and desperate for God, your children will flourish. Did you read the book of Deuteronomy? It says, your iniquities can be passed down from generation to generation to generation. Wow. We need to learn how to break off family curses. And we do that in the Lineage and Legacy book. You don't have to pass down demonic traits to your offspring. Here's your great verse about your offspring. You want it? Here it is. <laughs> Psalms 112, verse 2. You ought to read the whole 112 Psalm. It's not very long, maybe 14 verses. Psalms 112, verse 2 says, The offspring of the upright will be mighty in the earth. I like that, don't you? So I looked up the Hebrew word mighty means they will advance and take charge. They won't be sitting in the den watching tube all the time or on the computer going, gee, hee, hee. Good Lord. This social media stuff is something. They Snapchat, chat, chat. I don't know what they do. They go, are you tweeting? I don't know. I'm out of them, you know. I don't know. Listen, I finally got old Facebook, though. Oh, man. Did you know YouTube got in touch with me and said there's 23,800 videos of me on YouTube and I've never put a single one on there. That's the honest to God, 23,800. Want to give me my own channel? I'd, listen, I, that's true, but anyway. So that's the second book is uh, Master's Plan, Divine Design. Aren't you, you need to understand you're not a biological burp. Now what's biological study of life? What's a burp? Something that slips out you think you've got to be apologetic about. That's not what you are. You are planned by Almighty God. He's the one that gave you life and he wants to use you. So you need to get the book, Master's Plan, Divine Design. Okay, now, Legacy and Lineage Line book, you need to get it. And I don't know what other ones are out there, so I could tell you if I was looking at them, but I don't know. They shipped them up here from the office. I guess they got here, don't you think? They did, they um, did you get the other stuff worked out? Yes. This technology is something, isn't it? Well, thanks for your help. Listen, I'll tell you what's going to happen tonight. Hey, for here's one of the books. I got it in my hand. It's called The Shepherd's Rod. Now, get this. I want to set this thing up right. For 23 years, for 23 years on the Day of Atonement, I've had a visitation from Jesus Christ. He'd come tell me some of the things that are going to happen in the future. I write that book called The Shepherd's Rod. Now, you better listen now. I'm standing here in Zion Fellowship saying to you, for 23 years, on the Day of Atonement, I've had a visitation from Jesus Christ. He'd tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future, and I write a book. This is the one for 2018. Now, you write it a year in advance. You understand that, don't you? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> here, you write it on the Day of Atonement. I'll just... I'll help you here. <clears throat> the Lord told me, he said, uh, I want you to put your book, some audio book. So I thought, okay, because I get requests, is your books on audio? And so I thought I would make a contract with one of these ghost readers, somebody that can actually speak English, <laughs> and they can enunciate the words. I speak Texican. <laughs> I went to London, England, had to have an interpreter. Now, that's the honest to God truth. I went to London, England, and had to have an interpreter. 
But it's going to stun you. When you hear God talks, he talks just like me. I'll tell you how he talks. He talks just like you listen. You say, where's the verse for that? John 10, 3. John 10, 3 said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. John 10, 27 says, they flee other voices. They'll draw near the shepherd's voice. But here we go. So I was doing this thing about ghost readers. And I was negotiating with some of these people that have the wonderful voice. And, I, and the Lord said, uh, that was not what I told you. I told you to put your books on audiobook. So I said to myself, how hard could that be? <laughs> I got in the studio with these big old sensitive mics. I got the manuscript pull, pulled up. So here it is. It sounded like, see, spot, run. <laughs> Most, uh, so I'm going to practice on you tonight. I'm starting with page nine on the preface. Here it is. It's Friday, September the 29th, 2017 at 7, 11 p.m. The sun is just setting behind the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. The long-awaited Day of Atonement is now upon us. I am blessed to be sitting on my porch in my, our home in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, looking over the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. The sky is golden with color. The sun is setting. The shimmering rays upon the clouds, which appear to be golden and the blossom and the and on the bottom silver on top there is a sweet soft gentle breeze stirring the leaves on the trees it is tranquil and peaceful i'm so grateful and thankful to the father for his provisions i cannot explain my feelings at this moment my physical body is calm and relaxed however within my spirit there's an ex expectation and excitement and exhilaration that is beyond human words i feel as though i could explode even after these encounters for over 23 years it is still spiritually electrifying beyond, beyond any human capacity to uh, an ability to art accurately articulate and explain <laughs> Now, here's what happens. See, now, I wrote this when? September 2017. Now, it's for this year. Let's see if any of, any of it's come to pass. You want to? I'm flipping over here to page 90. Uh, 90 page 90. Okay. Here, here's one of the things that's gonna, that I wrote in here would happen. Let me find it. One thing I was so thankful about, hope is growing brighter. That's going to happen. And America will begin to repent. All of this is in there. But I, I, want, to, I want to pick on some that you're looking at right, right now. While if you watch the news, uh, if you watch the news, you'll, you'll find some of these things are being fulfilled. We, we wrote about the earthquakes. We wrote about the, the volcanoes. Okay, here it is. Uh, I'm reading now on page 101. Worldwide major volcanic and seismic disturbances on levels not seen in our time. The center of the earth is quickly expanding. The mountains will blow. The rivers of fire will flow. Have you seen that this week? See, I wrote it in September a year ago. But uh, now it's coming to pass. So, okay, the mountains and the rivers will flow. Uh, the mountains will blow and the rivers of fire will flow. Expect to see ash in the air and rivers of burning lava flowing. You will see seismic earthquakes and volcanic activity in an all-time high. As the earth shudders and the bowels of the earth are convulging. What would cause such things? Oh, maybe it's Romans 8.19. The whole creation... It's groaning and travailing in birth pains for us to step into our true identity as the manifested sons of God. And so that's why we're seeing all this. 
Creation is crying out for the sons and daughters of God to move into maturity. Winds will respond in fashion. There'll be a lot of turbulence in the air. And signs in the heavens, you're going to see a light show like you hadn't seen about meteorites. You can already pull that up in 2018. There have been uh, light shows in the heavens. And then, uh, here we go, uh, the Me Too thing. I wrote in here, God's going to un uncover what many have been seeking to cover up. And whosoever covers his sins shall not prosper. Remember that? Did that happen, the Me Too movement? You know, yes, it did. Yeah, here it is, page 104. A time of revealing, a time of uncovering what evil people have been concealing. This is a time to come clean. Those covering their sins will not prosper. And I put the verse, Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his transgressions will not prosper. All right. And so over and over and over. There's, oh, oh here's one. Let me, let me find it. Oh, uh, cyber wars are going to increase. That's, that you, you, that's a yippee. No, I'm not glad that they're going to happen. But we put in here that the church, that North Korea is a ticking time bomb. And the, it's going to start a nuclear war unless the church prays. And I said the church can rise up and pray and defuse this. And that's the only mechanism God's going to use. Now, have you seen anything taking place with North Korea and South Korea? The president's going to go visit with the Korean leader. Isn't that amazing? They just turned loose the three prisoners. I'm telling you guys, you need to read the prophetic word. Here's, a, here's what the Bible said. Absolutely! God will not do a single thing on planet Earth without first revealing what he's going to do to his servants and prophets. Where's that at, brother? Amos 3.8. Amos 3.8. Yeah. Amos 3.7. Amos 3.8. Amos 8 says, Lion has roared in the streets. Who can but prophesy? What's your name? That's right. <laughs> Yeah. I got a friend, he calls people's names out, and I said, Sean, they ought to know the name. Tell them something they don't know. You know? I mean, if they're sitting there don't know their name, listen, they, they need some intensive care. But anyway, so the shepherd tribe. If these other things came to pass, what I'm going to talk about is going to come to pass. On the Day of Atonement, I saw the whole clouds, and then I saw them turn purple like that. And I heard the Lord say, I'm sick and tired of my people whining away in the pig pen of poor perception. Uh, and do you remember the story in the Gospel of uh, Luke where the rich man had two, the father had two sons. The younger son said, give me what's mine. Took his leave in foreign country. Wasted his substance. Wound up in a pig pen. And he says, wait a minute. My father's got servants living better than I am. I'm going to get up and go back to my father's house. And I'm going to say to him, Father. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. Now, that's not God's plan. God does not want to just make you a servant. This is a year. Sonship, you're going to learn more about sonship than you've known your whole life. I promise you from heaven, this is a year you're going to learn more about sonship than you've known in your whole life. He said, I'm going to bring my people out of the pig pen of poor perception. This kid was still said, oh, I blew it all. I'm no more worthy. He did make bad choices. But see, when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And God said, get me a robe. Get me a ring. And if you look at the shepherd's rod, you can see the robe and the ring. And I'm telling you, this is the year. And that, that's what this book's about. Uh, the, whole, the whole center of the, the, the book is about sonship. Okay, so I hope you've got an idea I'm going to talk about sonship. Here it is. 1 John 3, 1 says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, 
What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be identified, classified as the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't understand us. They don't know us because they don't know him. I'm telling you guys, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we'd be called his sons. And the word for son there is weos. It means a full-grown, mature son ready to take over family business. Jesus wants you to take over family business. As my Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. We are to, we are to be full-grown sons and daughters. It's not, it's not whether you're male or female. I'm telling you, if I can be a bride, you can be a son. Don't you think? All right, so I'm going to get into this thing about sonship. You ready? Okay. Here's what it says. As many as are being led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You ready? Let me find the chapter where I want to start. Here it is. It's on page. <laughs> At least he didn't cuss. I'm not giving you. Everything's just fine now. Jesus didn't even have one of these things. He just got up on the mountainside and let the winds carry his voice. He got out on the water and let the wind. But we got them, hadn't we? And I'm glad because they get this pretty wild. Now I'm reading out of chapter 3, page 45. Chapter 3, sonship, shifting from servants to sons. You are heir of the kingdom. See, as long as you remain untaught about sonship, you might as well be a slave, though you're heir to everything. Now, you know what? A lot of people, they, uh, they don't understand how wealthy they really are. Uh, I, I've, I've listened to some lawyers talk to a, a very prominent man, and they were talking to him about his wealth, how much he was worth. And I was thinking about that on the plane. If somebody came up to you and said, well... What are your holdings? You could literally, honestly, biblically say, Well, well, if you're asking me my holdings, I figure I'm co-owner of the universe. <laughs> that's, what this, that's what the Bible teaches. You are co-owner of the universe. Yes, you are. When you move out of Servanthood to sonship. Wow, you see it. Okay. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all who are allowing themselves to be led of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The Lord said, Tell the people it's time for the robe and the ring. It's time to get up out of the pig pen of poor perception and get back to the Father's house and get his perspective of your future. I'm telling you, I promise you, the sonship message is the most hated message in all of hell. I've been preaching, I told you a while ago, 49 years. I've averaged speaking five times a week. I've seen Satan in those 49 years twice. I've seen demons, just passels of demons, but only Satan twice. And you'll read about it right here in this sonship book. He came to me. Now, he didn't come with the red horns and pitchfork. and Nope. He came looked like a chisel prince. He came the most winsome you could imagine. The most confident you could imagine. And here's what he did. He did his hands like this in a panoramic view. And he showed me all the kingdoms of the world, all the treasures of the world. And he said, just like in Matthew 4 to Jesus, all of these I'll give you if you'll go away from the sonship message. 
That's what I knew we had him. That's, that's, you, you, you'll read about it. Okay. I'll, I'll just read it for you. In over, 40 years of, in over 48 years of ministering, I have untold encounters with the spirit realm, both holy and hellish. However, I have only seen Satan twice. Was one of these encounters was suddenly approached by the devil, and he came winsome and handsome. He did not appear in flaming fire of suit. There was no horns, no uh, pitchfork in his hand. Quite the contrary. He was brilliant and stunningly and beautiful, and yet reeking with evil wickedness beyond human words to describe. All right. So he's bordering with me. To get away from the sonship message. So, I, you say, well, I don't believe the devil looks like that. Well, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, No wonder, for Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. That's in your New Testament. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. No wonder, for Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. Mm-hmm. So, I, I did just like Jesus did. I said, I rebuke you. <laughs> Off he went. <sighs> Let me see. After hearing this diabolical and deceitful offer and this uh, encounter out of my mouth came these words, you are a liar. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ and command you to leave, to which he had to obey. No negotiation. He's under your feet. Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Romans 16, well, what, what, what does it say? Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, observe, focus on this. I give you power to stop the devil's power. I give you ability to stop the devil's, uh, I give you authority to stop the devil's ability. Luke 10, 19, that's where Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But he uses two different words for power. He literally says, I give you authority to stop the devil's ability. What ability does the devil have? John 10, 10, somebody the thief comes but for to what? Steal, kill, maim, and destroy. But I've come that you'd have effervescent life, Jesus said. Wow. So we talked in here, we talked about how you've already defeated the devil through Jesus. Because Christ spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them triumphing over the cross. Remember that? Say this, I'm not a victim. I'm victorious. Oh, yeah, you are. That's right. 1 John 4, 4, I'll read it to you. 1 John 4, 4. My dear children, you came from God and belong to God. You have already won a big victory over the false teachers. For the Spirit is in you and is far stronger than anything else in the world. That's the message. But here's what it says. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You're more than a conqueror in Jesus. Greater is he that's in you, it says. 1 John 4, 4. Greater. One translation says, greater in intellect and power is he that's in you. Wow. Aren't you glad? Well, I don't want any struggle. Get out of church. <laughs> Get out of church. You think God's just going to say, oh, the devil's going to say, I didn't know you wanted the kingdom. We're going to have to take the kingdom by force. Amen. Not bombs and bullets. That's ISIS way. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Prayer, fasting, holy living, that's the weapons we use. But anyway, sonship, let's get to that message. You want to? Yes, Bobby. Please do. The sonship message will drive away an orphan spirit. And it, uh, listen, man, it is amazing. And here we write what an orphan spirit does. It causes you to always feel, always feel inferior. But I'll tell you, you've been adopted into the family of God. 
placed in as a son is a word that used for the word adoption. Anyway, the sonship message, as it unfolds, it will drive away an orphan spirit that has been plaguing the body of Christ. A wicked orphan spirit seeks to defame the father's heart toward his children. Many have been living a spiritual life as an impoverished person, when in fact, in Jesus Christ, you are spiritually rich beyond your wildest imagination. You are heirs to the kingdom of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Wow. That's pretty wild, isn't it? So yes, it is. Yeah, here it is. I'm reading now out of Ephesians chapter 1, starting with uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 3. says, Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's unbelievable. Let me read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and we that we would be holy, blameless before him in love. He predestined us to he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind, kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Wow. Is it doing okay? Okay. I know what it is. I got a big ear. <laughs> and it wiggles around. Yeah. Oh, I hope you'll get into the, this sonship message and let it get into you. It will... It, I told you we're co-owners of the universe. Let me read. I'm reading out of Romans uh, 18, uh, Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are allowing themselves to be led to the Spirit of God or the sons of God, for you have not received the spirit of slavery, uh, leading again to fear of God's judgment. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit-producing sonship, and by which we joyfully cry, Daddy! Aren't you glad, Papa? My grandkids call me, one of them's 24, one of them's 21. They call me Papa Preach. That's kind of that's what that is here. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very uh, intimate name for God. It's like a little, little kid running up, Papa! Aren't you glad that's what it does? Sonship. You know, that's, you, you'll find it. Anyway, it says Romans 8, 19. The earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. Wow. Do you believe nature knows more about the timing than you do? Animals know more about the timing of God than we do, honestly. The whole creation is groaning for us to step into our true identity. I talked to this group a while. Why y'all y'all seem like y'all are way over here? <laughs> y'all from a different part of the town or something? <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Good. Have they, are, have they drawn something for you? Let me hold this book. Let me draw something for you, okay? Is that all right with you? Why, sure. <laughs> oh, that, that looks like a happy baby, doesn't it? It's a cartoon. It's a what? It's a cartoon. A cartoon? Oh, man. Here, I'll draw. When I was a kid, I, I watched this cartoon here. M-I-C-K-E-Y. M O U S E Mickey Mouse. Can you see him? See, that wasn't bad, was it? The song was a little rough, but you know, that looks like Mickey, doesn't it? Sort of. 
He's dead him a body. Okay, well, what else have you drawn in there? Uh, it's new? Yeah. Doodling is one of my gifts. I doodle and I, I, I doodle out uh, things God's going to do before he does them. It's the wildest thing. I, 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 here's one. Uh, the day after Christmas, uh, December 26, uh, I was sitting with my wife and I'm sitting at a table there and we're talking and I've just got a pen and I doodle. I doodle out a lady, a woman, and she's got a, 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 a long slender neck and she's turned her head like this looking over her shoulder and uh, I'm just drawing this girl and she's looking back over her shoulder and uh, finally I just get through with it and Carolyn goes, who is that? And so help me God, out of my mouth came these words, oh, that's Julie. That's Julie, and she's looking over her shoulder, and she's going to take a whole new look at life. This was December the 26th. Now, the only Julie that I was talking about was a girl I'd known when she was maybe 16 years old, and she turned into the gay lifestyle. Guess what happened this year? Just a, a few weeks ago, actually. I get a call. Guess who it's from? I hadn't, hadn't heard from her in years. I'm talking about years. When I knew her, she was like 16, 17 years old. And now she's 40, probably, however long that is. And she said, I just wanted you to know, I've turned around and I'm looking at life totally different. I'm no longer in the gay lifestyle. She said, I'm spending days packing my heart full of the Word of God. But see, see, I didn't call her and say, well, the Seth God unto thee, my girl. Now, Holy Ghost. Don't you like that? Uh, I go to Rick Joyner's roundtable meetings for, and anyway, what I'll do, I'll just sit there at the uh, pen and I'll be doodling, and I'm doodling five or six minutes ahead of time of what's about to take place. It's the wildest thing you've ever seen. Rick Joyner will take my doodlings to write the minutes for the meeting. <laughs> this is true. Here's one of them. Uh, I was doodling along there. Bob Jones was living then. Bob Jones would come to these roundtable meetings. And so I'm doodling around. And I doodled, a, I don't be crude, but I doodled a, a commode. And behind the commode, I doodled a massive angel. After a while, Bob Jones comes into the meeting like this, sits down and goes, Glory to God! I just came out of the bathroom. There's a big angel in there. Yeah. <laughs> I held up my piece of paper and they, you know. Here's one, Christine Potter, Don Potter's wife. They, they come to the meetings. So she's all the way back from here to where halfway to where the sound booth is. And so I'm doodling in there. And I drew a mother duck and a bunch of baby ducks. And Christine jumps to her feet and she screams, Glory to God! He just spoke to me and said, The church is finally getting all of her ducks in, in, in order. <laughs> I have that on paper. Listen, wonder what God sketched for us tonight. I know, I wrote it in the pastor's office. I walked in the pastor's office and I doodled in, uh, all over the world in pastor's offices. But I went to the pastor's office and I drew a question mark and then I drew an exclamation point. This is a season, that revelatory release that y'all been singing about. Eyes to see, ears to hear. God's going to turn your question mark into an exclamation point. 
you're going to go, this is it. This is where we're supposed to do and this is You're going to get divine confidence. It will drive away doubt. And it will give you assurance. It will give you a boldness you can't imagine. And isn't that wonderful? I wrote a couple of verses under there. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask him anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. Then I wrote Philippians 1, 6. Being confident that there's everything, he that's begun a good work. Okay. So everybody okay? Uh, let's see. <laughs> Just meandering around. I like that hoodie you've got on there. What do you call it? That toboggan. Yeah. A beanie, that's what it is. I had have Rod, Rod may have been in the service when this happened. There in Buller, Texas years ago. Uh, there was some little gal walked in, and she was a real cute little girl, high school kind of gal. And she had on a, these caps they wear, these kind of caps they wear in France. So I walked up to her, and I jerked that cap off her head, and I popped it on, and I took two steps. I said, watch this. In a few days, I'm going to get an invitation to come to Paris, France. I guess it was maybe three days. I get an invitation to come to Paris, France. It's crazy. Oh, we're putting on that little, I don't know what they call them. Yes, goodness. I'm from Texas. We wear something a little bit bigger. Uh, uh, what a time to be alive. It's the most crucial time in human history. And look who God's let live. I said to him, what are you thinking? Most crucial time in human history. And look who God's let live. I read the book of Hebrews. He could have chosen any of those heroes that he named. But he chose you and I to live in the most crucial time in human history. I said, what are, you, what, what, what are you thinking? Here's what he said to me. Yes, I finally found me a people weak enough to work in. Not weak in morals, not weak in ethics, not weak in character, not weak in uh, integrity, but weak in our own ability. He said, I have found me a generation that's embracing John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says, without me, you can do nothing. But we realize how frail we are. His strength is made perfect in our frailty. And so we're trusting him to do what we know we can't do. And Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do what? All things through Christ who infuses me with inner strength. This is tantalizing. <laughs> you know, in Apollo, they got a, a stump over there you're supposed to rub. Well, y'all have not been to the Apollo. I hadn't either, but... If you go up to the stage on the Apollo, uh, Apollo there in Harlem, there's a, a stump you have to rub. It represents growth. Or it could be somebody's room. But I, I like stuff like that. I like the decor that people put in. Uh, boy. One time I was over in Europe, and I woke up, and I'm stretching, thinking, oh, I'm going to get me some coffee. And when I'm in the middle of my stretch, the Lord said, uh, Bobby. I said, yes. He said, uh, today, you're going to be a total pagan searching for me. And just like that, like you pulled an etch sketch everything I knew about God went out of my mind. I'm a total pagan. Walking the streets of Europe looking for God. So I thought, 
There's a church with a gigantic steeple, marble columns. I thought, that's a church. That must be where God is. I'm a total pagan looking for God. So I go in. I pull the big doors open on that church. I walked up the steps, pulled the big door open. It was dark, musty smelling in there. I stepped in. I don't know nothing about churches. I don't, I'm a pagan looking for God. Good gracious. I looked. There's a flickering candle over there by the wall and a portrait of a skinny, emaciated, looked like a convict or some kind of a... I thought, oh, that's not God. Then I looked over here on this side of the wall, and there's more candles, and there's a woman, painting of a woman there. But there's smoke from the candles, a smut in the air. I said to myself, I'm more likely to find a bat in here than God. That's what I said. I'm serious. So I rushed out of there so I could breathe. I'm a pagan looking for God, and I look in the church. All I saw was religion. Then I hear giggling. I hear the sound of the music of little children laughing and giggling. I thought, that's where God will be. I made my way through the streets to that sound, to the center of a square where a fountain's going up, and the little kids were playing in the sunshine, splashing water on one another. That's where I found God, where there was liberty and life. Wow. We better watch out how we're portraying God. We better put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you seen these? these have you seen? You've seen those uh, uh, programs like the red carpet, and somebody whooshes out and they interview. The, what's the first thing you ask the ladies in those sparkling dresses? Who you wearing? <laughs> Is that true? I believe God's asking us who you wearing. You're misdressed if it's not Judges 6, 34. Yes! Let me I mean, preach on that. We've got a couple of more services. Who are you wearing? Yeah, let, let, let me find. It's pretty wild. Judges 6, 34. Here it is. Judges 6, 34. Classified, amplified Bible. Classic. Amplified. Here it is. They got one in 2015. It's weak. Get the classic one if you're going to get one. Here it is. Question was, who you wearing? But the Spirit of the Lord clothed it in with himself. Whoa. That's what the best dressed Christians are wearing. Jesus. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with himself and took possession of him. Wow, wow. Book of Colossians says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Any other verse talk about clothing with Jesus? I think it isn't it. Why sure it could be Romans 13, verse 14. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, it says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus. See, if we're going to really represent him to the world, we need to get the filthy rags off. We need to present a 
holy, living, vivacious Jesus to the world. You and I. We're his representatives. We're his sons presenting his kingdom to a lost world. Wow. I want us to do a good job, don't you? Yeah. I believe he got taller. Has he got taller? I've got wider. But I heard deep and wide. There's a story about that. So y'all doing okay. I'm going to yander around a while. i got a lot to talk about, but I'm just looking around. You were singing from over there now, so you moved your... One time you were here. But that's... Diversity is good. Now, goodness I like the fiddle. You know the difference between a violin and a fiddle? The sack you carry it in. You know, you put a violin in a case, but a fiddle, just you can put it in a flower bag or something. I can't play them, but I like the, I like the violin. I told Leonard Jones once, the guy that used to do the Morningstar music, I said, Leonard, if you'll take your violin and play music and have somebody accompany you, when that music is played, it'll drive demons out of people. Took him forever to really pick up on it, but he made one, I think, called Stillwaters or something. He said, Bob, you can't imagine the testimonies we've got of people that got their sanity back, they got their calmness back, but I like stuff. I can't play any of this, but it's intriguing to me. This is neat. They had that in that studio I was doing them. They said it muffles. I said, muffles? But, and then they had funny looking microphones. But uh, that's kind of, kind of nice. I thought I'd come up with some redneck ones and just, you know, these foam they put on nursing home beds. I thought I'd get a bunch of them and pack them up, you know, that be the same kind of process. What's the guy? Tell me about this bow tie. Tell me about yourself. Well, it's Fancy Friday at my work. Fancy Friday. <laughs> I got the memo. I'm in the button here. See? You know, Fancy Friday. Well, that's good. It looks nice on you. Oh, I used to, you know, when I, I used to wear a three-piece suit. Oh, Lord, honestly. I used to have a mullet, too. Swing my head around, hair get in my mouth. Me and Billy Ray Cyrus had a mullet, but anyway. Good gracious, this thing's jumped off my head. But I'm doing good. We're going to, what I'm going to do now, bend it for me. Here's what some of them do. They tape it to my face. Honestly, they get that up. Oh, man. <laughs> but this is a nice place. Do you feel the transition going on? Yeah. What kind of transition is going on? I think, I think what's happening is we're realizing this is not really about us. Us is about him. And we've got to really realize, how does this affect, this affect him? So I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to have this... Wonderful understanding of sonship. I pray you'll get the book. I really mean it with all my heart. It'll be one of the most transforming messages you've got. But I'm telling you, God's going to show us more about sonship than we've known in our whole life. And he's going to show us we're heir of the whole universe. Listen, oh man, 
Let me, let me, I'm going to the book of Hebrews with me just, just a moment. Hebrews, just a second. I'm going to show you. A while ago, I said that we're uh, joint heirs with the, uni- of the whole universe. And that, that's what it says here. Pretty, pretty wild. Let me find it here. Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, we'll start with verse 1. In many separate revelations, uh, each of which set forth a portion of the truth in different ways, God spoke to us in the old times, our forefathers. Verse 2 says, But in the last of these days he has spoken to us in the person of his son, whom, his son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also he through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time he made, produced, and built, and occupied and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light bearer, the outraying of his radiance of the divine. He is a perfect imprint in the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. So he's owner and operator of the whole universe. And the Bible said, because you're sons of God, you're joint heirs with Jesus. So you're literally co-owner of the universe. Did you know that's what the Bible teaches? You're supposed to be owning this earth? You own a verse? I sure, brother. Here's one. I quoted this until you two years ago. I quoted the Psalms of 115, verse 14, 15. May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed of the God that made the heavens and the earth. I slow down a little. Psalms 115, verse 14 and 15. May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed of the God that made the heavens and the earth. That's a great verse. But I told you, we're responsible for this earth. Psalms 115, verse 16 says... The heavens of heavens, that belongs to God. But this earth is your responsibility. Well, y'all want to get into some deep stuff? I doubt it. Uh, Did you watch, uh, if you watch any TV or anything like that, uh, uh, you can't get much of the truth. You can't get much truth there at all. But, uh, I want to show you something. They say in 2017, the, they crunched the numbers and they said that America spent $306 billion on calamities. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's what you can pull it up. You can Google it, Google it now if you need to. Call Siri. Hey, Siri! I got a thermostat that talks to me now. My son came up and put me on a, a electronic old giggy gaggy. Listen, I'll be talking to Carolyn and go, yes, yes. I'll, I'm going to shoot that thing off the wall. It'll get to hollering at night. What command? Shut up. Don't understand. It's a talking thermostat. I got my phone. I can sit. Anyway, I don't even know what that's about, but anyway, here's what they say. They said we spent $306 billion in 2017 on fires, floods, earthquakes, calamities. You have to say, with that kind of a record, we're under judgment. 
America. That's almost a billion dollars a day. We're spending on calamity. $306 billion. That's almost a billion dollars a day we're spending on calamity. Remember now, the heavens of heavens, that belongs to God, but this earth is Bobby's responsibility, your responsibility, Jim and Mary. I'm telling you, it's our responsibility. So I said, God, what kind of judgment are we under? He said, start with Isaiah 520. Woe unto the nation that finds it easy to call good evil and evil good. I suspect we're guilty of that, don't you? Isaiah 520. Now here's, here, here's, the, here's the number one reason we spent nearly a billion dollars a day last year on calamities. You ready? In the Bible, I'm reading from the Bible. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. First of all, first of all then, say this, top priority. First of all then, I admonish and urge and that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in positions of authority are high responsibility that outwardly we may pass, live a quiet and undisturbed life and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way and sereneness in every way. Here it is, verse 3. For such praying is good and right and it is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior who wishes all men to be saved and come to knowledge. Okay, what does it say we're supposed to be doing? Praying for President Trump. You in your lifetime have never seen any one man under so many word curses. That's why we're spending one billion dollars a day. said, if you'll pray for those that are in places of high authority and leadership, you'll live a quiet, peaceful life. A billion dollars a day is not a quiet, peaceful life. Do you think? And he said, first of all, I pray that you would pray for people in leadership. You've never seen a man under such word curses as President Trump. Never. Now here's the problem. Most of us get our Zeal from the news media. If you read the Shepherd's Rod, I suggest the news media should be put in the pen. They should be tried for treason. I looked up Webster's Dictionary's definition of treason. It means attempt, it says the attempted overthrow of a setting government. If the modern day media is not guilty of that, I don't know who is. But here's what the deal is. You and I are obligated because we're sons of God to pray for those in leadership. I don't care whether you're a Republican, Democrat, nothing. If you're a child of God, you're supposed to be praying for the president. Pray for his safety. Pray for those in leadership. Some unprecedented things are happening. The meeting there with North Korean leader over in Singapore. That's amazing. I wrote about it in 2002 in the Shepherd's Rod. Wrote about it in 2018 Shepherd's Rod. That the church can defuse this. And I believe the church is praying. I really do. But boy, it's just the beginning. Prayer moves the hand of God, doesn't it? Anyway, 
Right, I'll give you this one. I've scratched in it. It's got yellow stuff in it, but uh, and here's something else. Start introduction, introduce you. That's pretty neat. That's what I forgot to do. We got to start. Rerun. Rewind it. No, no, we're, we're okay. So, I do need. I get these fur balls building up there. <laughs> Carolyn usually is on the front seat and she'll go. She'll signal me what's going on. One time I was up preaching, I looked down and shh, looked like she's trying to land a 747. I thought, oh, my zipper must be undone. But that wasn't it. It was a sock hanging out my pants leg while I was preaching, you know. Looked like Zeus or something, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, I used to get by with wearing nearly anything, but now the grandkids showed her how to FaceTime or whatever. Not, yeah. I don't know what you do when you live stream, you know. She'd go, I can't believe you wore that one. <laughs> but it's Fancy Friday. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have dressed up this much if it hadn't been Fancy Friday. <laughs> That's right. What do you do to this guy back here with the arms crossed? Yes. Take a guess. You'll get it right. Come on. Retail gift store. Retail gift store. All right. It's where somebody got a gift and they brought it back. And heard. No. Well, that's good. Uh, remember I quoted a verse? I would take it if I was you. Psalms 90, 16, and 17. O Lord, establish the works of our hands. The works of our hands, O God, establish thou it. You believe God will give you favor if you ask for it? Yes. Favor is absolutely amazing. Here's your verse about favor. Psalms 8411. Psalms 8411. <laughs> you don't mind that, do you? Psalms 8411 says, I will give you present day favor, future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. Psalms 8411. That's pretty good. They've got the baby out. I guess. <laughs> May have gotten big enough to get up and walk out by now. Yeah. How you doing? Are you doing good? You really are, aren't you? What's y'all's names? What's your name? Leona? So what's your name? Naomi? Oh, that's wonderful. I like Naomi. It's in the Bible. I wrote a book about it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your name? Levi. That's in the Bible. That's good. Well, I'll tell you what, God wants to really do some wonderful things for us. You believe that? Yeah. Here's a good verse. You ought to put it just down in your heart. Psalm 65 11. He got Psalms 84 11. Psalm 65 11 says, He crowns this year with His goodness, and everywhere He steps, it drips with prosperity. That's pretty good. One translation says, everywhere his chariot wheels roll, it drips with fatness. That's what it says. That means riches. But anyway, well, we got to go. I'm going to the book table when we get through uh, and sign books. Yeah, that'll be fun. What time do y'all usually go to bed? Just... Oh, man, I'm a night person. Yeah. You know? Oh, Lord. How are you doing? You doing all right? You hadn't been doodling, have you? You're writing with the wrong finger, wrong hand. Left-handed, are you? How you been? Left-handed, it talks about in the Bible, they were good with the bow. 
Yeah. So, yeah. What's your name? Joe. Joe? Joel. Joel. How old are you, Joel? 20. 20 years old. I'll give you a verse if you'll listen to it, okay? It'll help you find guidance for your life. It's Ephesians 5, 14 through 18. It says, walk with goal, aim, and true purpose. It literally says, make sure your life counts. Ephesians 5, 14 through 18. Okay? It'll really help you. Walk with goal, aim, and true purpose. Don't be vague and thoughtless, but have, a, have an ambition, okay? Yeah? Because we've already determined God's plans are better than ours. You like favor? Favor is really good. You get 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6 2. It's an acceptable time, a time of favor, a time of assured welcome from God. 2 Corinthians 6 2 is Paul quoting Isaiah 49, verse 8. Isaiah 49, verse 8 says, He gives us power to reset the world from its present state of ruin. 2 Corinthians 6 2 is Paul quoting Isaiah 49, verse 8. Wow. But it's a time of an assured welcome. It's a time he'll hear you and help you. That's not bad, is it? You doing good? You doing okay? God bless real you. Good. You are doing real good. Here's your verse. You could give it to her too if you want to. Psalms 92, 10 through 16. Psalms 92, you get through there and it says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil anointing will release my strength like that of a wild ox. And then it says, you'll be full of sap in your old age. That's what it's stable, firm, full of sap in your old age. Psalms 92, 15, 16. That's pretty good. That beats, you know, well, you're going to be. <laughs> Psalms 92, 10 through 16. Full of sap in your old age. Bearing fruit, stable, firm. Psalms 92. You'll like that, won't you? Oh, sure. Bearing fruit. That's what it says. I don't know where we get this idea. We get a certain age, we've got to lose our mind. We don't know if we're bingo or bowling. Listen, I'm, I'm, what, 75 years old. Uh, listen, got a schedule like you can't imagine. You better understand, there's a verse in the Bible that says you can live as long as you want to. It's in there. Yep. I can wear out the young bucks, I'll guarantee you. I drag them around their tongues hanging out going, <laughs> listen. It's, I found a verse in the Bible, Paul said, I do it with a supernatural energy. He said it. And that's what it is. You can't, you can't uh, explain it any other way. Well, we've got to get ready and get out of here. <sighs> they told me on it. They told me he did. But before I quit, I'm supposed to let you have the mic. But I want to pray for the people. Here's what God told me. You ready? Bobby. That's me. Go where I tell you to go. Columbus, Ohio. Zion Fellowship. Do what I tell you to do when you get there. I will give the people, whether they want it or not, an impartation from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. I said, God, how can I tell them they're going to get it whether they want it or not? He said, you can get around somebody that's contagious and you can get infected. Yeah. Now, here's what Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 says. Now, the God of peace... That brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting, never failing covenant, make you perfect. Give you everything you need to accomplish the task you've been sent to do. Wow. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. 
I looked up the word make you perfect. It's a Greek, uh, a Greek word that means missing no component. That means everything you need, you have. That's all right. That's also, well, anyway, there's a whole bunch of verses. You want one of them? Colossians 2, 9 says all that, is, all that God is is in Christ. And then Colossians 2, 10 says all that Christ is is in you. You believe in the impartation, don't you? It's Romans 1, 11. Romans 1, 11 says, I yearn to be with you. We don't even have an English word for it. Romans 1.11, Paul said, this is on me in such a dimension, it's twisted me inside out. I yearn to be with you that I might impart to you a spiritual enabling that you can accomplish the task you've been assigned. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 1 said, it'll be good for both of us. It'll be mutually beneficial for both of us. What do you do? Partner. Oh boy, let's see your fingers. You're hitting him. Ah. Uh, a guy one time was up in my roof, up in the attic, and uh, I, I was there to help him. And he was doing something with tuba sixes or something. So he's up there. Uh, Ronnie Hawkins uh, was his name. And so anyway, he's hollers from that little hole in the attic and said, "Hey, Bobby, yeah, hand me the nail gun. Where is it?" That's me. He said, that's it on the end of the air hose. I had never picked up a nail gun. <laughs> Have you ever picked up a nail gun? <laughs> I'm shooting snails this big all in the garage. <laughs> Ronnie's going, put it down. Put it. Listen, have you ever seen them things? A nail gun. <laughs> Look like an Uzi. <laughs> Whatever happened to the hammer and, you know. They had that air gun, that nail gun, hissing like a viper. <laughs> yep, that was old Ronnie, Ronnie Hawkins. He was up there helping me. Well, I, he was doing it. I was down there shooting holes in the wall. <laughs> I got more stories than you can listen to. <laughs> Oh, the bear store is bad. <laughs> this week, last week now, I stayed in a, a guest home, like a lodge, and in the den was a big stuffed bear. Yeah. Oh, man, it's hard to sleep with a big stuffed bear. Yeah. You know what? I feel good. Do you feel good? Anybody in here not feeling good? If you're not feeling good, come down here. Come here. You're not feeling good? I want you to feel good. God wants us to feel good. I pray that you'll be in hell. That's what the Bible says. What's your name? Pat. Pat? So you're not feeling good? Pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer. God's going to cast his cancer off of you, okay? And out of you. Father, I want to thank you that Jesus Christ is a healer. He's not going to be. You are a healer. You're absolutely healer. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, every disease has to bow. I curse cancer in the name of Jesus. I command you to swivel up, dissipate, and get out of this woman's body in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
we just release healing for her. Make her totally 100% well. Here, now I want you to just start believing that you're totally 100% well. I believe that the Lord will do with this cancer what he did with the fig tree. He cursed it, it swiveled up, and withered away at the root. So Lord, I'm asking you to do this for this sister. In Jesus' name. Good. He can do it. Yeah. I don't know. We think he can cure a cold but not cancer. Asthma but not AIDS. All disease has to bow at the name of Jesus. We're supposed to be praying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. You won't find any cancer patient in heaven. No crippled person. God bless you. God bless your heart. I mean that. You say, well, how do we know she's going to get healed? Doctors can check her. Yeah. Uh, I like it when they go, good God. Yeah. I got a preacher friend that's raising the dead. You say, how do they do that? See, the Lord told me, said, tell the people if they're going to raise the dead, they got to get around dead people. <laughs> Don't you suspect? So that's what I told him. I said, God's wanting the people of God to start raising the dead. He said, oh, how am I going to get around dead people? I said, I don't know. Ask God. He hired himself out, free gratis, to a hospital to be a chaplain. And you can't imagine the resurrections they've had. Bring in little kids that have been drowned in the pool, stone dead, resurrect. Unplugged people off of life support, waiting for the morgue to come get them. But we've got to get around dead people, haven't we? Yeah, there's a guy down there in uh, Austin. I've watched the kid grow up. He's still a kid to me, but he's a grown man now. But he called me out of breath, screaming, ah! I said, Cody, what in the world is it? He stopped at a 7-Eleven store to get him a, some coffee or a Coke or something. And he said he came out, and there was a whole bunch of people over there inside of the parking lot in the weeds and bushes. So he goes over there, and there's a woman. Dead, stiff, blue dead with her mouth wide open and her and people were all around her and he's looking at her. He said, Bobby, she was pale gray and blue black color with her mouth open, said everybody was around her, and the Lord said to him, Are you gonna just stand there and look at her or are you gonna get down there and raise her from the dead? That's what God said to Cody. And Cody said to God, I don't know how. Jesus said, I do. Here's what happened. Cody, I wasn't there, but I don't believe Cody lied to me one bit. He said, Bobby, I made my way down through there and said, uh, there was people looking. said, I got down there, got on my knees beside her. said, I put my hand on her throat. said, her mouth was open. She, he said, she was colder than a froze fish. And he said, he started screaming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. About the fifth Jesus, she goes, <laughs> like this. Coughed. He said, she set up. Said everybody took off running. He said, I would have, but my legs wouldn't work. Yeah, and the, the, the paramedic said by the, the way the woman looked, she had been dead for several days. Stiff blue dead down in Austin, Texas. Isn't that something? Wow. God can do it. He raised my mama twice from the dead. That ain't bad for a Southern Baptist, is it? Yeah. Yep. That's right. 
balance. Have you seen these? They got these kids can throw them like that in those spins. I can't sit there. I drop them out. Anyway, God bless you guys. We having a service in the morning. Aren't we? Ten. Ten and six. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do in, in the, tomorrow. I'm going to talk to you about how to stay invigorated. How to stay supercharged from the inside. Most of the people in America now are trying to stimulate themselves from the outside. It'll wear off. You'll feel worse than you were before you climbed up. But I'm going to talk to you about how to stay invigorated. Stimulated from the inside out. I promise you it'll work. I'll show it you straight the Bible. I'll show the word invigorated. Don't you want to be invigorated? Man. I won't hang around grumpy, grumpy people. Well, you won't have to hang around them long. They won't be here long. Ask the doctors. They say attitude has a lot to do with your wellness. Jesus said to wait before the doctors, a merry heart. That's good like a medicine. Okay. Wow. Remember I gave you that verse a while ago, Psalms 112, verse 2. The offspring of the upright will be right and mighty. You ought to read the whole 112th Psalm. Here's what it says. The favor of the grace of God will get upon your life in such a magnitude. You'll be so blessed of God. And the people will see the prosperity of God in your life. It'll make them so mad. They'll gnash their teeth and walk away. That's better than a lawsuit, ain't it? Psalms 112 teaches that the favor of God, if you honor God, the favor of God will get on your life in such a magnitude, the blessings of God will make you so wealthy, your enemies will gnash their teeth, that verse says, and melt away. Wow. Wow. That's a good one for your financial teaching. (laughs) Psalms 112. Okay? Yeah. Well, I don't know. God just knows what we need. You won't get much from God that way. Yeah. God wants you to ask Him. I can show you in that book, in the Shepherd's Rod, there's a verse in the book of James that says, Children, listen to me, and I'll teach you that you're wealthy far beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah. It's in the book of James. Well, let's pray, okay? Anybody else need prayer? This is a sanctified bunch. Do you need prayer? What do you need prayer about? Um, I lost my voice this week. You lost your voice? Yeah. Oh, my. I'm supposed to speak at church on Sunday. That won't work. The Bible said we'll lift up our voice like a trumpet. I got more verses for talking loud than you do for whispering. Lift up your voice as a trumpet and declare my people's sins. That's what it says. Yeah. So when did it happen to you? Uh, gosh, Saturday, I think. Okay. What's your name? Janelle. Janelle. Can I touch you on the throat? Mm-hmm. Father, I thank you for Janelle. I thank you, Lord, that you're opening up an opportunity for her to share about you at church. And I pray you'd restore her voice. I pray it'll be bold and clear. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that there'll be no pain. And I thank you, Lord, that you will fix her voice box and take away any kind of strain away. And her voice will be strong and clear. And we thank you that we can lift up our voice like a trumpet. So, Lord, I pray that you will bless her as she speaks now. In Jesus' name, amen. Just begin to shout and clout and cut up with you. Really, that's the way to do it.
If the devil tries to do something, well, you can't do it. Go, I'll show you, you know. Here, what's, are you down here for prayer? What is it? Yep, I'll tell you what we got. Yeah, here's what we got to do. We got to Isaiah 54 17 says, No weapon formed against us prospers. So, Father, I want to thank you that you're a God of restoration. I pray over this ministry and over this marriage and over all this work here that you would restore. Joel, I pray the book of Joel there that you would restore all the years a canker worm has consumed. And Lord, I pray you'll just bring this man to his senses. That you'll rebuke demonic spirits and you'll give him clear thinking and a clean heart. And Lord, I pray that you would turn this thing around. And Lord, thank you for this sister. I pray that you would come and be that very present help in the time of trouble. And Lord, that you'll cast all of her care upon you. And I pray that in the midst of all this, she'll rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's here. Isn't that wonderful? That's right. He got in the, got in the fire with Chadrach, Meshach, and other guys. Isn't that something? Wow. That's good. Right in the middle of the mess. See, the devil throws it at you, but in the middle of the battle, God hollers time out and throws you a party. That's Psalms 23. Remember that? He prepares a table for us. What is it? Diagnosed with hypothyroidism, and it's been affecting. I have my miracle pregnancy, but it's been affecting my pregnancy as well as an alignment in my back. That's been affecting my pregnancy. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for wonderful children. Uh, Your word says that we're wonderfully and fearfully made. Said we're knit together in this soft pink place. So, Lord, I pray you'll bless this pregnancy, bless the baby, bless this dear sister right now. I pray that you'll heal her body, that all the chemistry of her body would work perfect and everything would be absolutely delightfully normal. Can I breathe on you here? That's in the Bible. Remember that? John 20, 21. Be breathing on them. So everything will be delightfully normal. Okay? Good. Bobby's a pretty good name if you're looking for it. <laughs> this should be easy for you. All right. All timers. Okay. Hey, here it is. You ready? Yeah. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Yes. God gave us a sound mind. That's the mind he's given. That's, right. That's, right. That's right. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So, Lord, I, I come against Alzheimer's and dementia, all of this kind of stuff. And we thank you now that you will cause that sound mind to manifest and he'll enjoy a good, good, strong memory all the days of his life in Jesus' name. Good. That's that's good. That's That's true. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. I looked up the Hebrew, the, the Greek word sound mind. It means a mind that can catalog and retain facts. Yeah, that's one of the ways I memorize the scriptures. A sound mind. A mind that can catalog and retain facts. Well, I read it and can't remember. Well, quit saying that about yourself. Say, I've got a sound mind. What is it? In the baby? Okay. Lord Jesus, you said the offspring of the upright will be mighty. And Lord, this woman is standing in for her daughter. I curse cancer. I curse a diagnostic reported cancer. Lord, I'm asking you, Jesus, go out of this room, go to where that girl is, and touch her body and make her totally well. 
Do it in such a way, Jesus, you get great glory. And people see who you are and how you are. In Jesus' name, we commit this to you. We thank you that your plans for us are good. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good. I heard Jeremiah 31, 17 says, your future is filled with bright hope. Jeremiah 31, 17. That's, that's a good one. That's a good verse. Well, let's get out of here, okay? Um, <laughs> you ready? Oh, I got to. I'm so sorry. Oh, I rolled him. What's wrong with you? Come up here. What do you think about it? I, don't, I think he's wrong. I do too. I think, I think we can't buy into these lying spirits. I'll tell you what, you really can't. You need to say that God wants you healthy, strong, he mobile. He does. Uh, so you got any pain? Yes. Okay, I come against pain. I come against a crippling spirit. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bind it and say to you, you cannot torment this woman. So Lord, I command this pain and a, a crippling spirit to go away. And I pray right now that you'll make this woman strong and healthy. All of her bones will be uh, flexible and mobile and she'll have mobility and no pain. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. That's good. Wiggle around a lot. That's true. Listen, I don't know why we listen to the devil and not to God. God wants us to be strong. He does. He really does. The devil wants us to just... I'll tell you, I'm absolutely sure God is salting the airwaves over this place with Hebrews uh, 10.35. Hang on to hope. It brings big dividends. Hebrews 10.35 says, hold on to hope. It says, don't fling away your confidence, your steadfast hope in God, because your steadfast hope in God brings with it a great recompense of reward. Hebrews 10.35, hold on to hope. If the devil is doing anything, he's chipping away at your hope. Hope deferred does what? Makes the heart sick. But when what you get, you long for, you get it, it's a wellspring. Hang on to hope. Say, I will. Well, good. Come here, the guy with the beanie. What's your name? Garrett. What? Garrett. Garrett? Yeah. Garrett? Yeah. What does it mean? You know? I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of names, but I don't know what Garrett. Garrett. Seems like a snorting horse to me. <laughs> Garrett. It sounds good. What do you do, Garrett? Um, changing jobs. So oh. I do a lot of it. oh, my. Oh, my. My grandson is 21. He's a welder. Oh, Lord. Goodness gracious. You can't imagine the money they pay this kid to weld. It is crazy. But anyway. Uh, he's, he's doing a good job at it. But, so you want to be a welder. Okay. Good. Does God want you to be a welder? Have you asked him? I, I only just, I'll put a, I'll put a verse inside of you, okay? Nehemiah 9.20. That verse says, God gave his good spirit to instruct them and withheld not his manna from their mouth. So he's give, going to give you his good spirit to instruct you. That means to show you where to go. Okay? 
So, Lord, I'm asking you to let the good spirit of God direct him and show him where he's supposed to go and what he's supposed to do. See, if you're not supposed to do that, you won't be good at it. You won't enjoy it. When you finally find out what God wants you to do, it's a delight. You go, I was born for this. That's true. I want to get a hold of that hat. I just want to. Is that okay with you? Sure. You can trust a guy like me. I'll tell you, that's good. You say, well, listen, I'm straightening out his thinking. You know? But, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be okay. I'll tell you what will happen to you. You want to know? You're going to get a dream at night. It'll be so clear, it'll be more real than us standing here. It's the book of Job. I spoke to you and spoke to you and spoke to you. You didn't even think it was me. So in the night seasons, I seal what I've been saying. That's a book out of, the verse out of the book of Job. So he's going to speak to you about uh, what to do in a dream. Good. See, that wasn't bad, was it? 